If you have your Bible, please open it to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter number three. There's something exciting, at least to me, about being in church on New Year's Day. Now, let me ask you today, if you would rather be here this morning than in Times Square tonight, say amen. Amen. I think that's unanimous there. I would personally, on New Year's Eve, much rather be in a church setting like this or maybe with my family or maybe even just home by myself. There's something about New Year's Eve that has always been for me a day of of reflection, a day of thanksgiving, and a day of anticipation as we look out into the year ahead. Now, as I've thought about that, that must certainly have been how the children of Israel felt in Joshua chapter number three. We know that God, through his servant Moses, had led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. They had been there for hundreds of years, mistreated and abused. God led them out. And then for 40 years, they were there in the wilderness, complaining and griping and wishing they were back in Egypt and questioning God. And yet all the while, God was taking care of them. God was meeting their needs, giving them manna every day to eat and water from a rock. I mean, God took care of of all of their needs. We know that towards the end of that 40 years, Moses died and his assistant Joshua became the leader. And just like God had used Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, It was now Joshua's job to lead the people into the promised land. Now, in Joshua chapter 3, we find the Israelites on the very border of the promised land. They are at the banks of the Jordan River. And across that Jordan River is what we know today as the Holy Land, Israel, Canaan. It was the promised land. And yet the problem was between where they were and where they were going was this wide river of water. And at the time of year that we're reading about today, it was harvest time and the snow in those northern mountains of Israel had melted and that water had flowed into that Jordan. And the the Jordan River every year at this time of year was overflowing its banks. And so the the river was was too wide and too rough and too dangerous to, to swim across. It was much too deep to walk across. And so while the children of Israel could see what God had for them, They had no way of getting there. Now, we know what happened, of course. God parted that Jordan River, and just like he had parted the Red Sea 40 years earlier, now he parts the Jordan River, and the children of Israel walk across on dry land into the promised land. But before that, that's the part of the story we're familiar with. But before that happened, Joshua and the leaders of Israel gathered all the people together, And they said to them, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Tomorrow, God is going to make it possible for us to cross that Jordan River. And we're going to walk right into that promised land, to that land that God has prepared for us. But before God does that tomorrow, there's something that we must do today in preparation for that. And that's what I want us to focus on today in Joshua chapter 3. Let's just look at the first five verses. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, literally the Levitical priest, bearing it, carrying it, then you shall set out from your place 
and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go. Now here's the phrase, for you have not passed this way before. Say that with me. For you have not passed this way before. I always think of this verse on New Year's Eve. I think of this verse on New Year's Day. We're looking at the year ahead of us. We have no idea what 2024 holds. We don't know what we'll face, what our families might face, what our country might face. We have no idea. Just as was true of them, it's true of us today. We've not passed this way before. And that's what Joshua was saying. We've not been this way before. And in verse 5, he said, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, consecrate yourselves, dedicate yourselves to God. For tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, If we think about the message that God, through Joshua, had for the people and through these leaders, really there are three things involved in what was being said here. The first thing that Joshua was saying to these people is, as we get ready to go somewhere we've never been before, as we get ready to experience something we've never experienced before, the first thing that you need to do is you need to follow God. Look again at the, at the very end of verse 3. He's talking about the Ark of the Covenant. The priests are going to be carrying that Ark. And then at the end of verse 3, Joshua said, you are to go after it. That is, keep your eyes on the Ark. You follow the Ark. You're going where you don't, you've never been before. You just keep your eyes on the ark. Now, we know today that the ark of the covenant in Old Testament times represented the very presence of God. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 4, we read that the ark of the covenant contained three different things. First of all, it contained a copy of the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. So it contained the Word of God. It also contained a rod Aaron's rod, we read about this in uh, Numbers chapter 17, that had budded. God had chose Aaron to be the high priest of the Israelites. And the way God made that decision clear, he caused Aaron's rod to bud. And so the budding of Aaron's rod represents the will of God. And also in that Ark of the Covenant, there was manna. There was a little bit of manna, kind of a sentimental memorial bit of manna in there that would always be a reminder to the Israelites of how God had cared for them for those 40 years in the wilderness by feeding them manna every day. And so that manna represented the ways of God. In other words, God was feeding them in ways they had never experienced before. And so when Joshua says, you keep your eyes on that ark, that ark represents the presence of God. And as we get ready to move forward into the unknown, to go into a place where we've never been, you keep your eyes on the ark of the covenant, you go after it. What were they really going after? They were going after the word of God. They were going after the will of God. And they were going after the ways of God. Now, that's what we need to do as we begin a new year. We we need to pursue and to go after God's word, God's will, and God's ways. And that's what Joshua was saying. You just follow God. And the next bit of instruction was, as you follow God, remember to reverence God. Look again in verse 4. He said, yet. There shall be a space between you and the Ark of the Covenant, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. 2,000 cubits is approximately 1,000 yards. Think about that. 10 football fields. 
God said, you make sure that between you and the Ark of the Covenant, which represents my presence, that there's some space. Why? Because God is holy, and we are to reverence and to honor him. You know, I feared in the world in which we live today that this whole idea of reverence for God is largely lost. This whole idea of fearing God is, is largely lost, and it's watered down. And yet, we should fear God. I'm reading in the book of Acts right now in my Bible reading. I've got a little bit of a jump start on the new year. And the other day, I read Acts chapter 5. And I read about Ananias and Sapphira who lied to God. They sold a piece of property and they brought the money to the leaders. And they played like they were bringing all the money that they had made on that sale. But they held some of it back for themselves. And so they lied to God. They weren't obligated to give that money to God. They could have given half of it, 10%, but they were playing like they were giving all of that money to God, and yet they weren't. And as a result of their lying to God, God struck Ananias and Sapphira dead, and when he did, the scripture says twice in Acts chapter five, that the fear of God spread throughout all the, all the believers there. And yet today, I fear we've lost much of the idea of fearing and reverencing God. Friend, I'll say to you today, I have a fear of God. I have a healthy fear of God. I think you could have an unhealthy fear of God. I don't want to have that. But I do have a, a healthy fear of God. I have a fear that if I get out of line, God might put his hand of discipline on me. But I have a greater fear than that. I have a fear that if I get out of line, God might take his hand of anointing off of me. And if I had to choose, I'd rather have God's disciplining hand on me than God's hand of anointing off of me. But the point is, as we go into the new year, we need to fear God and to reverence God. And did you know you've already done that today by being in God's house on God's day? You have showed reverence and respect for God. And then the word to these Israelites was, not only follow God and reverence God, but sanctify yourselves. Again, in verse number five. Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That is, Joshua was saying, get anything out of your life that doesn't belong there. Now's the time to do inventory. Before we go into the promised land, before we cross that River Jordan, you need to sanctify yourselves and look into your own heart and get anything out of your life that doesn't belong there. There. So follow God, reverence God, and sanctify yourselves. Now, as I have been thinking about that this week, I've been thinking about the time that we would spend together today, New Year's Eve. We're spending the last day of the year in the house of God. You know, this year, in 2023, New Year's Day was on a Sunday. So we began the year in God's house. New Year's Eve is on Sunday. So we're ending the year in God's house, and then when the services are over today, we'll go and do what we do. But I got to thinking about this earlier in the week. How should a Christian end a year? What should we do as we come to the end of the year? Again, we've done, we're doing part of it now. We're in God's house. We're studying God's word together. This is the right thing to do. But as the day goes on, what, how should we end a year? And so as I got thinking about that, and I got thinking about what these Israelites were doing as they were ending their time on the eastern side of the Jordan before they crossed it and went west into the promised land, we should do what they did. And so I'm kind of developing this, what I've said so far, and I want to give you an acrostic today. I haven't done an acrostic in a long time. I used to do them all the time, and I think I wore the people out with my acrostics. 
I sometimes wore me out with an acrostic, but I want to do one today, and I want to use the word year as our word, Y-E-A-R, because as we come to the end of this year, and as we leave this service and go to our homes and have the rest of this day and night to think about 2023 is coming to an end, and 2024 is on the way, what should we do? I think we should do very similarly to what these Israelites did, and yet this acrostic year will help us. First of all, the Y stands for for yearning. We should end this day yearning to know God in a deeper way. Let me give you a scripture verse, Psalm 42 and verse one. The psalmist said, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. And so we should end this day yearning for God. So that means somewhere today, I'm going to encourage you, if at all possible, before this day's over, to get alone with God in some room in your house, or only it's a beautiful day, maybe you could do it on the back porch or somewhere outside, to get alone with God and think about this little acrostic year. And whether you do it exactly like this or you modify it for your own, this, the, the spirit of what I'm talking about today is what we should all spend some time alone with God today as we come to this year. And the first thing is yearning, just to say to God, God, you've been good to me in 2023. And as we come to the end of the year, I just want you to know, God, I love you. And I have a yearning for you. You could just say to him, Father, I have a, a yearning to know you better. I have a yearning to, to know you more. Or we have to always be honest with God. If you today say, you know, John, I don't know how much yearning I have for God. You could just say this to God. God, I've lost my yearning. I've lost my passion. God, my fire for you is not as strong as it once was. But God, as we come to the end of this year, I want to regain that yearning for you. Sometimes our hearts grow cold and uh, we can be lukewarm if we're not careful. And it just happens. But we want to end this day by yearning for God. You know, one of the things you can do to test yourself on how much you love God and how close you are to God and how... How, how strong that yearning is in your heart for God and for his will and for his ways in your life is to ask yourself this question. On a typical day, how many times do you tell Jesus that you love him? I thought about that even yesterday. You know, in my life, I've never counted that. But I would say if I'm with close, if I'm right, if I'm right with God, my priorities are right and I'm in the word and I'm in, there, I don't know how many times during a day, riding down the road, walking through the house, uh, walking through the church, go at the groceries, that I would just silently say to the Lord, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I think that if we do love Jesus, it would only be natural that in a given day, we would just say to him, maybe 10 or 15 or 20, I don't know I, I, how many times, but that we would just say to him, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus, and that we would have a yearning in our hearts for God. And so let me ask you this today, as we just think about this first little thing, the yearning, on a scale from one to 10, 10 being the passion for God that David had and that Paul had and that Peter had and that John the apostle had, on a scale from one to 10, how strong is your yearning and your passion and your fire for God. And if it's a 10, you can go to God later today, say, God, you know that I have a passion for you and I'm just praying that it'll even grow beyond this. And if it's a four or five, you can say, God, relight this fire and uh, help my passion for you to grow and to be stronger than it's ever been. But nonetheless, the Y stands for yearning. Now, you still with me? Say amen. amen. 
The E stands for examining. We need to spend part of this New Year's Eve alone in the presence of God examining ourselves. You say, John, what is it that we are examining in the presence of God? Well, first of all, we're examining the condition of our soul, the condition of our soul. Second Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, uh, Paul said, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. In other words, Paul is writing to the Corinthians And he's saying to those who would be reading this letter, one of the things you need to do is you need to examine yourself and make sure that you are saved. You say, should we question our salvation? Well, not forever, (laughs) not every day, but there needs to be a time in our life where we've been through that process and we've examined ourselves and we've made certain that we are right with God. What is the condition of your soul? Examine that. Examine the direction of your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28, Paul said, let a man examine himself. Now in 1 Corinthians 11, that's in the context of the Lord's Supper. We had the Lord's Supper last Sunday evening, Sunday at four o'clock. And so when we examine ourselves, what do we do? We're making, we're saying, God, reveal to me any sins that are in my life, in, in my heart. We examine ourselves, but we should do that not just when we have the Lord's Supper, We should do that daily, regularly, and certainly on New Year's Eve. Examine the direction of your life. Is is your life, think about this this morning, is your life going in the direction that you want it to go? In other words, if you do the same thing in 2024 that you did in 2023, when we come to New Year's Eve on 2024, will you be happy with where you are? You know, someone has said the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different, you know, something different to happen. Well, no. If our life's not going in the right direction, we need to turn around and go the other direction. So examine the direction of your life. And then we need to ask God to exa- examine us. You know, sometimes our examination is incomplete. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above man. I can examine myself and, and, and come out of that and think, well, I'm doing pretty good. And yet I could be self-deceived. And so that's why the psalmist said in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, he said this to God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, when I take the Lord's Supper, like we did last week, I always do what the Scripture says. I examine myself. I, can, I begin to confess my sins that I'm aware of. God, forgive me for this and that, and forgive me for this. And Lord, forgive. But when I come to the end of my examination, I say, God, if there's anything else in me that I myself am not aware of, would you just reveal it to me now? Any attitude, any thought, any desire, any pride, any ego, any selfishness, anything in me, That's not what it ought to be. Would you reveal that to me so I can get that right with you? And so I'm saying part of our day-to-day should be spent before the Lord in examination. God, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So we're yearning for God. God, I want to know you better in 2024 than I have in 2023. God, I'm examining myself that I might get right with you. And then the A stands for asking Asking. We need to ask God for things. Occasionally, I'll come talk to a Christian and I think their heart is right. I think their theology is wrong, but I think their 
trying to be humble, and they'll say to me, John, I just want you to know, I never ask God for anything for myself. I've, heard, I've had several people tell me that. I, I, they'll say, I only pray for other people. I never ask God for anything for me. Well, while that sounds humble and even noble, it's quite foolish. We should ask God for things for ourselves. Let me give you a couple of verses. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And then in James chapter 4 and verse 2, the scripture says, you do not have because you do not what? You don't ask. And so don't ever say, I never ask for anything for myself. I only ask for things for others. That would be foolish. I ask for things for myself all the time. One of the things we should ask for is for forgiveness. That's the first thing we should ask for. After we've examined ourselves and God has revealed something in our lives, in our hearts, in our habits, in our daily routines that's not right, we ask God for forgiveness. One of the things we should ask for is wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We ask God for wisdom. God, I need wisdom for this new year. Decisions that I'll make, things I'll do. I don't know. God, I, I need wisdom. That's what Solomon prayed when he became the king of Israel. God said to Solomon, you can ask for anything that you want and I'll give it to you. He didn't pray for money. He didn't pray for fame. He didn't pray for a long life. He didn't pray for the death of his enemies. He prayed that God would give him wisdom. He said, God, I'm not qualified to be the king of this nation. That was my daddy's job. That was David's job. But I feel like a, a little kid, God, walking into this role. And I need wisdom. And God honored that and gave him wisdom and gave him everything else too. So we need wisdom. I'll tell you what else we need to ask God for as we come to an end of this year. We need to ask God for a fresh word for the new year. I've shared before that in Dece on December the 27th in 2002, I did something I never had. I had an experience I had never had. I was at a gym down in Clear Lake, Bobby Grimes, who's out of town today, but he and his family used to own Stone's Gym in Clear Lake. And I was down there on this particular night, and I was walking on a treadmill. And I always recommend praying while you're walking on a treadmill praying that you can finish your walk, right? And I was just walking along and I was praying and I was kind of in a state of prayer, but kind of just quiet meditation. But in my own way, I was asking God for wisdom in my life at that time. God, what do you want me to do? And as clearly as I'm speaking to you right now, although it wasn't audible, God's spirit spoke to my heart and God's spirit said to me, for two years, you just focus on me. That was his word to me. I knew I had a word from God. And I thought, okay, for the next two years, I know what I'm supposed to do, and I know what I'm not allowed to do. I'm supposed to focus on God exclusively. And to the best of my ability, I did. It was in those two years that God brought me to the full assurance of my salvation and I just remember in 2003 and 2004, I just focus on God. You just focus on God. Well, at the end of 2004, I prayed and said, God, two years ago, you gave me a word that lasted for two years. You told me to focus on you. But now, God, it's about to be 2005, and I need another word. 
And God gave me a word for 2005. And God's word in 2005 for me was, John, you have the full assurance of your salvation. Finally got that settled. But what I want to do now, I want to polish your faith. I want to strengthen in that I had my word. And he gave me a word for 2006. And he gave me a word for 2007. And we got to about 2008. And I went along there several years. And I just either I wasn't listening good or there just there wasn't a fresh word. But I didn't really feel any clear words. Interesting. Last Wednesday of this past week, it was December the 27th. And I was praying. And I said, well, God, 20... One years ago today, you gave me a word that lasted me two years, folks on me. And God, as we get ready for this new year, I'm asking for you to give me a clear word for 2024. I was here in the, in the study praying this last Wednesday. And no quicker had I gotten that prayer out of my mind, out of my mouth, that God brought my mind to remember a devotional that I had read a few weeks ago by David Jeremiah. He had a devotional talking about the God of every day. But in this devotional, there were two sentences that stood out to me. And God just brought this back to my mind. I hadn't read this in several weeks. And here's, here, I'm reading these two sentences. David Jeremiah said this, there's no need to feel overwhelmed when you're a child of God. There's no need to feel overwhelmed. God specializes in handling the day-to-day -day issues in your life. And your breaking points are often the starting points for his grace. God just brought that back to my mind. And it was like God said to me, John, as you begin this new year, don't be overwhelmed. I don't know how it is with you, but sometimes with me. I feel overwhelmed. I don't always feel that, but sometimes if I look, like this week coming up, I have lots of things to do, preaching schedules, a funeral, things that demand my preparation and my best. And sometimes I can just feel overwhelmed. God, I hope when I stand up there to preach on Sunday that I'll be ready to preach. And that's a, there's a weight to that. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a particular burden with that. It's a good burden, but it's nonetheless a burden. And it was just like God said to me, John, I specialize in handling the day-to-day -day issues of your life. You don't be overwhelmed. Remember this, anything that comes into your life, any schedule or demand or responsibility, I've allowed it to be there. You just trust me with it. And God, as I just began to mull that over and think that through, it was like God gave me a one-word theme for 2024, and the word is relax. Relax. And I just thought, that's it. God's given me a word, just relax, and don't be overwhelmed, and just know that God's grace is sufficient. Don't I seem to be very relaxed up here today? I'm so relaxed, I may preach till noon. I'm just that relaxed. And, uh, and now you're not relaxed. Now you're uptight with that. But we should pray, God. God may give you a different word. Or today when you do this, God may say, what I said to John applies to you. You need to relax and don't let life overwhelm you. Sometimes we need to pray. I, I would encourage you before this day's over. Now this is gonna be different than what you think that I'm about to say. But I would encourage you before this day's over for you to pray for financial provisions in your life in 2024. Back in 2004, I did something I never had done. I should have brought these little 
indexed these little cards today and shown you. But I, was, I thought about it, and I was afraid I might lose it. And I didn't want anybody else to read what I had written. But in, in, in 2004, I, wrote, I did something I had never done. I wrote a financial goal for that year. I got my checkbook. I looked and see how much money I had in the bank, which wasn't much. But I said, God, here's what you've given me. Thank you for what I have. But I pray that by, I pray if it could be your will that by the end of this year, I would have, and I just wrote a number down there. I pray that I would have this much money in the bank, which that, even the number I wrote was not a big number, but, I, but it was more than I had. And I just wrote it down. And then at the end of the year, I looked at what I had asked for and I had more than I had asked for. And I turned that prayer card over, that little index card, and I wrote on the back. I just put it at the top, your provision. And I said, Father, at the beginning of this year, I prayed for X amount. Now, by the grace of God, I have this amount. I want to thank you for that. And that started a tradition for me that I've never told. I showed this to my family the other day. I don't think I'd ever even told them. But every year, on or around New Year's Eve, I've been doing this for the last approximately 20 years. And I did it Friday night. I was going to wait and do it today, but Sundays are busy days. And I thought, you know, God, I, I just, about 10 o'clock on Friday night, I just got my cards and I looked and I looked at what I'd prayed that God would give me in 2023. And I looked at what I had. And on the back of the card, I wrote your provision. And I said, God, I, you've given, you've exceedingly abundantly, you know, that was in my heart. You've given me more than what I had asked for. But I would encourage you, some of you today are in debt. You're not trying to go from zero up. You're trying to go from negative back to zero. Right? Well, then you ought to just write that down today and say, God, today we owe $20,000. And, 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 and Lord, I just pray. I would write, if I owed $20,000, I guarantee this is what I'd be doing. God, I just pray that by the end of this year that we will owe zero money and you'll have us completely out of debt. I would just pray that. Make that your financial prayer and financial goal. And you know, when I write this out to God now, I went through and read some of the ones I've written the last few years. I said, God, I say this on like on New Year's Eve, dear Jesus, you've been so good to me. The main thing is that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. I'm still in the ministry preaching and serving you. I and my family are healed and we are healthy. We're together and we're in a great church. All this is in my heart. And I say, God, I thank you for that. The financial part of my life is not the most important part of my life, but it is a part of my life. You have to have money to live on this earth. And I said, God, I pray if it to be your will that by the end of the year, I would, and I just write it down. And then at the end of the year, God, you've been so good to me. The main thing is not the money. The main thing is I'm saved, all that. But God, thank you for what you've given. I would encourage you today, everybody in here, no matter how much or how little you have or if you don't have anything or if you owe something, take some time today and turn the TV off and get alone with God and say, God, I make this my financial prayer, my financial goal for 2024 and put it in his hands. We have not because we ask not. So let's see if we can remember all the letters so far. Y stands for yearning. E stands for examining. A stands for asking. We're going to ask God some, for some things today. And the R, now I tricked you on R. I got three, word, three points on R. I got three R's, but I'm going to go through this fast. First of all, the R stands for repenting. 
repenting. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You see, there's a difference between asking God to forgive us and confessing our sins and repenting of our sins. In Proverbs, we read the person who confesses their sins and forsakes their sins will have mercy. So it's not just about asking God to forgive us and then keep doing the same thing. That's not repentance. Repentance is when we turn around and go a different direction. And now, repentance is something that we did when we got saved. In fact, you can't be saved without repenting. Luke 13, three, unless you repent, Jesus said, you'll all perish. So we had to repent in order to be saved. But repentance is something that we should do all the time. I made a list yesterday of some things that those of us here today might need to repent of. Some of these things you don't even think about you need to repent of. Some of them you do. I made a list of 26 things that we might need to repent of. And I could have made it longer. I just ran out of room on the page. But let me read this. You may on this New Year's Eve need to repent of some sin of immorality, an attitude of resentment, bitterness, or even hatred. You may need to repent of extravagant spending. You may need to repent of impulsive purchasing, impulsive purchasing, overeating, poorly managing your time, losing your temper, being rude to people, Always saying what you think about every issue. You say, well, I just always say it like it is. Well, if you always say it like it is, you need to repent of that because you don't need to always say it. You don't need to always tell everybody everything you think. Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. Alcohol and drug abuse. Just, turn, just say, I'm gonna break with that at the end of this. Pornography, gambling, lying, cheating. Hard-headedness. The Bible says we should be willing to yield, not hard-headed. Rebellion of any kind. Independence is good. Rebellion is bad. Contentiousness. Argumentativeness. Gossip. That is saying something about somebody that you don't know whether it's true or not. Slander. That's when you say something about somebody that is true, but it serves no constructive purpose. We repent. Worry. Doubt, fear, an unhealthy diet, lack of exercise, not getting enough sleep. You see, these are things that we all need to turn from, and that's what repentance is. And so we want to spend part of this day repenting. Number next, or the next R, we want to spend part of this day reflecting on God's goodness to us this year. I think we would all agree to us, that we, you, we would all agree with this statement, God has been good to us in 2023. He's been better than we deserve. He's been good to us as a church. God has blessed our church. I looked at these numbers yesterday. They're in the bulletin. To the glory of God this year in our church. Now, this is not counting the singing Christmas tree and all those people. These are people who have registered decisions in the family room. Listen, this is staggering. 367 people have given their hearts to Jesus in 2023. 367 people. That's a lot of people. 11 people have settled their salvation. 296 people have been baptized here since New Year's Day. 296. This is a staggering thing. So we want to just spend part of this day reflecting. God, thank you for your blessings on my life. And then we want to spend part of this day readying ourselves for 2024. 
My dad talked about the Bible reading plans earlier today. I've, been, I've spent some time in the last month or so thinking not, not just about the Bible reading plan. I'm in a two-year plan, so I'm committed to my plan for one more year. <laughs> but I've spent a lot of time thinking about which translation of the Bible, which actual Bible. And I finally got it all cleared. I know what I'm going to be doing. But we need to spend part of the day thinking about that. When will you read your Bible? When will you, are you going to read a devotional book this year to go with it? I am. And I've got that chosen. And so uh, we need to spend our day, part of our day today, doing those things. Now, you still listen? Say amen. amen. Joshua said to those Israelites, tomorrow, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among us. But today, we need to get ready. We need to spend this day getting ourselves ready for what God will do tomorrow. And if Joshua were here today, I think he would like the approach I've taken on this sermon. I think Joshua would say, John, that was interesting how you tied that in to New Year's Eve. And, and I think Joshua would say to all of us here today, you need to do exactly what we've talked about today. You know, when we wake up, think about this. You still listening? Say amen. When you wake up tomorrow, when you wake up tomorrow morning, the tomorrow that we talked about yesterday will be today. Tomorrow will be today. And so tomorrow is when God wants to do wonders. And in 2024, wonders, new things in us, for us, and through us. But how wise we would be to spend this day readying ourselves for that. Amen? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you've never been saved, the best way to ready yourself for tomorrow and for the new year and for the rest of your life and for eternity is to give your heart to Jesus today. Some here today are in that boat. Others here today say, John, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. Well, why would you? Don't, don't leave this service like that. Don't, go, don't end this year like that. No. Don't begin a new year wondering. Let's get that settled today. Would you just pray this prayer? I'll make it simple and concise. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. Make me a Christian. I give you my life. I trust you to save me. I repent and turn from everything in my life that would not honor you. And I ask you to help me day by day to live that out. I believe somebody prayed that prayer today. Just say this. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. It'll be still in your heart.